0: Let's look in the book this morning. All right, Exodus, Exodus chapter number three, Exodus chapter number three. That's good singing, amen. I'm glad that God does have us in his hands. I'm glad he's watching out for us, amen. He's done figured out next week. You can't even get tomorrow figured out, but he's got it all Planned out and fixed. Amen. We just need to follow Him. And in a way, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about a few things here this morning. I say, I started to tell you what I was going to preach about, but I ain't fully made up my mind to preach it yet. I got to looking here at this little passage of Scripture and thought it looked good to preach on too. And uh, it is my text verse, so we'll go ahead and read it and just kind of let the Lord have His way. Amen. Exodus chapter number 3 and verse number 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. Lo and behold, God was hanging out around there. Amen. And the other occurrences like that in the Bible. Jacob was running from his brother, going up to see his kinfolk, uh, Laban, try to get him a wife up in that in that part of the country, I guess, and going to try to keep from getting killed. The Bible said he got up to Bethel and laid his head down on a rock to go to sleep and what they call Jacob's ladder wasn't Jacob's ladder, it's God's ladder, amen. Right. Come down from heaven, he saw, he, saw, uh, he saw the angels ascending and descending on it and when he woke up he said, surely God was in this place and I knew it not. Yeah. You're going to find yourself in a lot of places a lot of situations and you're not going to think God's nowhere around but he's right there. think I know what to preach on now. He said, now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. You remember when you come to the mountain of God, you might have been in a drunken stupor and laid down in a ditch somewhere and went to sleep. And when you woke up, there was something nagging you in the back of your mind. thought, boy, I can't keep living this way. Can't keep going this way. Might have been tied to some old addiction or some old woman or some old man or some old lifestyle that was dragging you down to hell and you woke up one day and there was a nagging feeling in the back of your mind saying, boy, I can't live this way no more. You see, you don't know it, but you done come across the mountain of God. And he was sitting there going, you don't want to live this way no more. You don't want to live this way no more. I'm glad God will talk to us, amen. Amen. Some of you, God waited till you was 50 years old, 60 years old. I don't know how old you was when you got saved, but God waited a long time to talk to you. Maybe you was hard headed. I don't know. And then some of us, He met when we was about five years old because we was easy to be led back then. Well, when I got 15, I wasn't easy to be led but one morning I come to church and was sitting on the center road down there on the middle middle set of aisles at White Plains Baptist Church and I was at White Plains Baptist Church and I was at Mount Airy, North Carolina, but in the grand scheme of things I was sitting at the foot of the mountain of God. Amen. He come down and he talked to me that morning. Amen. Surely God was in this place and I knew it not. I don't think Moses knew where he was. He was just going about his life. Amen. Tending the sheep of Jethro. This old life we get in a rut and we find ourselves a job somewhere or we create some job for ourselves and we think we're just living life and God is right there. I preached you a sermon about, I guess about four or five years ago, maybe six years ago called He's, God is still under the oak and one morning, one morning Jethro was over there. I mean, not Jethro. Midian was over there, and uh, and he was he was uh, threshing his wheat by the wine press. It seems like I've said a name wrong or something there, but it Gideon was. I said Midian didn't. I? That's a wrong character. Amen. But Gideon, he was he was uh, threshing wheat over by his uh, over by his wine press, and uh, a voice showed up and said, "Hey, thou mighty man of God." God been sitting there watching him the whole time. And God spoke with him a little while and told him some great things. You know, if you listen to God, he'll tell you some great things about your life. Amen. You're worried every day about all the filth and rottenness and foolishness and unfairness that's going on in your life, but you're listening to the wrong sources. You're listening to yourself or you're listening to the devil. Get quiet a little while and let God tell you a little bit about your life. Amen. Such an one as him surely can divine. Amen. Amen. But he heard a voice. And then, that, and then the Lord showed up and began to talk to him about some things. Yeah. And then the Lord disappeared and he, Gideon began to think and began to ponder about some things and a voice showed up over there under the oak. God was still sitting there watching him. He couldn't see him no more, but God was still sitting there watching him. Amen. Well, God helped me when I got saved. God helped me in that revival when his presence was made known to me and God really helped me and God really dealt with me, but I've been cold since then. Well, God's still with you. God's still there. I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. That's the promise of God. That's the promise of God right there. He said he led the flock of, uh, to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. You got to climb that mountain a couple times in your life. I preached you a message about that several years back as well. You got to climb that mountain. Amen. It's rough. Looks rough. Looks rough. If you go over there in the Middle East, you go, boy, you don't have to go to the Middle East. You can go right up here in the Appalachian Mountains. I said Appalachian not Lation. Appalachian. That, that's not what it is. It's the Appalachian Mountains. Amen. If you want to know the name of it, ask somebody that lived there. Amen. But at any rate, you can stand down at the bottom of one of them mountains and look up. You're like, boy, a fellow be hard pressed to get up there. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a trail. Yeah. Amen. You know what you got to do to find the trail to the peak of a mountain? You got to get on there. You got to start walking, amen. You get into some of them places, you begin to look up through the jagged rocks and all them trees and hollers and draws and all that stuff. You think, man, that'd be some rough terrain. But you just start walking and see if you don't get to the top. You'll find a way, amen. A lot of Christians never get to the top of the mountain because they ain't walking. They're sitting on the rear end at the foot of the mountain thinking God's going to drag them up the mountain. God ain't going to drag you up the mountain. He'll meet with you. He'll talk with you at the bottom of the mountain if that's where you want to stay. But God wants to bring you to the top. And see, there's a lot of difference here. God got a hold of Moses right here at the foot of the mountain, I suppose. I don't get, you might take some goats to the top of a mountain and graze them, but you don't graze sheep on the top of a mountain. Not, that, not the kind we're talking about here. God met him down at the bottom and said, now you go on down to Egypt and you get my people. See, there was, a long di- there was a long period of time between the time that God met Moses at the bottom of the mountain and the time he went through a lot of difficulties. He had to go through a lot of difficulties and a lot of time before he ever got back to the top of that mountain. See, sometimes we, we know God, but we know him. Through, a, through a, a shadow, through a veil, through a glass darkly, the Bible says. There'll be some things for you to learn along the way, but I guarantee you, it's worth learning. Amen. Yeah, there's going to be hardships. Don't let these preachers tell you that the Christian life is all about ease and the bed of roses. There's going to be some hardships to go through along the way, but it's worth going through. The first time you find yourself on the mountaintop and God walks by you, and he might hide your face so you can stand it a little bit, but he'll let you see the hinder parts of his glory. One of these days he'll redeem our body and let us see him face to face. Amen. There'll be times of hardship. There'll be times of glory as well. Look what it says here in the verse. It said, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. Herein is some marvelous thing. Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. That's what I would have said too. Amen. I think I'll stop and look at this a while. You and me walking around in this South Georgia swamp, we'll stop and look at an armadillo. We'll stop and look at anything, won't we? Uh, this walk by a burning bush and it's burning. And the leaves ain't ain't crackling and the the limbs ain't falling apart. Well, you might want to stop and look at that. One night, me and brother Spike was out at, at uh, one of the, this uh, hunting club up here, up on the highway, and we're walking through the middle of the night, pitch dark, and walking down this little trail. We wanted to see what was what was there. We hadn't been there very many times, so we were checking it out on foot. And as we were walking along the trail there, they, uh, this noise began to uh, begin to parallel our, our little trail there. He was walking we'd walk a little ways and he'd look, walk a little ways, whatever it was. And we'd walk a little further and it would walk a little further. and we began to get interested. It sounded like a giant bear, what it sounded like to us. It sounded like it'd through? We thought it was Bigfoot. <laughs> so we thought we'd stop and listen a little while and as we stopped and listened it stopped and then it started walking again it was walking towards us and this thing coming through the woods and the weeds and it's pitch dark and so I had my flashlight but you don't use your flashlight all the time you'll ruin your night vision but I began to turn my light on there and I began to point it towards the woods there and this thing's coming through the woods at us and finally it broke the edge of the weed line there and walked out it was a little old armadillo about (laughs) like that but, but that thing got our attention long enough to get us to stop and look and see what it was. Really wasn't nothing to be worried about except for them things as nasty. But it was something to look at, amen. And the Bible says here, Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. Hey, if something looks unusual, the Lord's probably in it. The Lord's probably in it, Amen. Now, how could America do all the things she's done and, and not be completely destroyed? Well, that's easy. The Lord's got to be in it. You say, well, the Lord, all we, I've heard preachers say a lot of th- stuff, and, and some preachers say, well, you know, if the Lord doesn't judge America, he owes Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. God don't owe nobody an apology for nothing. Amen? The Bible tells you the, the why, why the America's got such longevity so far. I don't know what will happen tomorrow, but so far, the Lord's mercies have been good to us. Amen? It's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. You know, you can apply that to yourself, too. Why, why, why didn't I die drunk in a, in a car accident? Why, why wasn't it me? Why not I in jail? Amen? You think, think that way. You say, what, what, other people done less than I've done been in jail. Well, if it's unusual, God might have had a hand in it. You don't never know. I will now turn aside and see this great sight while the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, you're talking about throwing a wrench in the Calvinistic program. Lord ain't making you do everything you do. Every once in a while, the Lord will turn aside and see what you're going to do. Amen? The Lord's going to sit and watch and see how many times you come to church. The Lord's going to sit aside and see. I mean, some people get on their knees, Brother Nathan, and say, God, I want you to teach me your word. And that's a good prayer to pray because he's the only one that can teach it to you. But you know, after you pray that prayer, you know what God will do. He'll sit and watch to see if you're going to turn aside or not. Well, he'll watch you in the morning time, say, is he going to read his Bible this morning? When he don't see you read your Bible this morning. So he said, well, I'll just watch and see if he reads it at lunchtime. You know, we're not, we're not socialists. We're not communists. We're not going to make you read it at exactly this time or that time or the other time. And see, one of the dangers of Christianity is you'll find somebody that's a good Christian, and you'll see the way that they do it, and eventually the way that they do it will become the law of the land. Boy, if you don't read your Bible at 5 in the morning, you're in trouble. I recommend you just read your Bible. Amen? And the Lord, you say, God... Help me to understand your word. And the Lord will look down at you and say, well, let's see if he's going to read it. Well, he didn't read it this morning. Let's look around, see if he reads it at lunchtime. And then he'll look at you on Wednesday night and say, are you paying attention to the preaching? He'll be finding out. He'll be finding out which way you're going to go on the issue. Amen. Amen. Somebody don't care nothing about the preaching. They don't care nothing about reading God's word. God's probably not going to reveal too much to them. But, he says here, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. That's what you're supposed to say when God calls. That's right. Amen. Amen. Uh, God looking for a person, you're supposed to say, here am I. Yeah. Send me. This modern day Christianity, they're saying, I don't have to do that. Right. Right. Amen. Hey, even, in the, even on the negative side of the issue, when those men that were sailing down to Tarshish got in a storm and there was about to be blowed out of the universe, they said, What in the world's wrong? And old, old, old Jonah said, Here am I. Ain't that what he said? He said, I'm the problem over here. A, a, per, a Christian is never going to have any, uh, I hate to use the word, but it, it really fits the best of any word I can think of. A Christian is never going to have any success in the Christian life until he just, just centers on the fact that when it comes to be a sinner, here am I. And when it comes to doing Christian responsibilities, here am I. Well, you know, I'm just too sinful. You know, I've, I've talked to people about their salvation, and they said, well, I'm just not worthy to be saved. Well, that's a good statement. You can be saved then. Because <laughs> if you say I'm worthy to be saved, you're not it. You well, know, God can never use me as a preacher. You're the one he can use. Unless you're just, a lot of people just saying that because they'd rather be playing bingo on Thursday night. And, you know, preachers ain't supposed to be gambling and all that good stuff. Amen. Hard to rub off lottery tickets and preach at the same time. Y'all didn't know that was true. I don't know if I've mentioned lottery tickets in the 10 years that I've been here, but there ain't no count for Christians. We live by faith, not by chance. That's enough preaching on that right there. Amen. Amen. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him, unto him out of the midst of the bush, and said, Moses, Moses, sometimes God I've got to call you twice. Amen. And he said, here am I. I'm glad we've got a God that's merciful enough to call us twice. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, every preacher that's ever preached didn't answer it on the first call. I might have got ahead of it. I might, have, but, but see, I mean, on a personal basis, I believe everybody's called to preach. I mean, just the callings of God are without repentance. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that we're all the called of Jesus Christ. So I believe that in a great way. Uh, but a lot of times we do get ahead of his calling. Amen. They, some folks been saved 15 minutes and called to preach. I think you ought to be worried about some other things first. <laughs> Amen. But at any rate, that being that that being said, Moses, Moses, and he said, "Here am I." Listen, if God tugs on your heart this morning and says you ought to be serving Him. Why don't you just say, "Here am I, send me." Here am I, send me. If God says you ought to be, you're not doing this right. You ought to be doing this right. You ought to say, "Hey, God, here am I." Yeah. Amen. If God says, I want you to live a good moral life, I want you to do the, I want you to study God's principles and find out God's will for your life and do that. If God said that to you, I'd say, Here am I, Lord. Here am I, Lord. God says to you sometimes, so you feel it down in your heart already, the singer's singing or the preacher's preaching, and you get overwhelmed with this idea that this is absolutely right and something's going on. Just God say, say amen, boy. And you say, mm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't swallow it. Say amen. Yeah. Just open your mouth and let it come out. Amen. And before you know it, you'll be praising the Lord. Yeah. Praise is comely. Praise becomes a Christian. You say amen every once in a while. You don't have to lose your mind like you had a ball game, but it wouldn't hurt nothing once in a while. Amen. And he said, here am I. Now, see, here's where we get a little bit anxious sometimes. We overstep our bounds sometimes. I don't believe in holding back from the will of the Lord, but I believe in, in being a little bit conservative about some things. Amen. And the Lord said here, he said, draw not hither, Put off thy shoes from off thy feet for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. See, a person ought to shout, but they ought to to realize, too, at the same time, you're shouting to a holy God. You're shouting to an organized God. Amen. You're shouting to a God that that puts a difference between good and evil. Amen. I mean, some people say, you know, they get up in their, their little rock band in church and they begin to, you know, bang their heads and rock out in church for the glory of God. God don't rock out. Amen. He's the rock, but he don't rock out. Amen. Amen. The Lord don't do that. The Lord not a hippie. Amen. Let me point out something to you that might enlighten you just a little bit. Anybody here remember the '60s? You remember that certain sect of people called the hippies, the beatniks, and then the hippies, and they're going to do everything their way, and they're not—they don't want to do it like mom and dad done it. We're our own generation, man. We're groovy. We're really Americans and we're patriots, but we don't want to do it the same way everybody else does it. We just want to have a good time, man. And you could take a fellow from 1930 or 1940 or in a lot of cases of the 1950s and 60s itself, and you could put one of them hippies right there beside him and there'd be no denying who he was and what he was and what he stood for. Everybody got me right there? Now you go in churches on Sunday morning and you got these hippies up on the platform with their guitars and their drums and all this stuff and they're doing exactly the way they want to and the hippies have moved from the 60s at Woodstock to the 2000s in the church pulpit. Now listen, since the 60s to this time, the divorce rate has skyrocketed. huh? The venereal disease uh, statistics have skyrocketed. Abortion has skyrocketed. Now, that's what the hippies done to the country. Just imagine what the hippies are going to do to the church. It ain't going to be pretty. People are going to be coming to church and getting entertained. They ain't going to be coming to church and getting saved. And I got news for you. Hey, Jonathan, your great-grandson, he needs to come to church and get saved. He don't need to come to church and get get entertained. Amen. Tucker, your great-great-great-grandson needs to come to church and get saved. He don't need to come to church and be a part of a great youth program. Your great, great, great grandson needs to come to church and get saved. He don't need to come to church and be a part of a great musical ensemble. Amen. 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 Get a haircut. Amen. Make something out of yourself. Amen. I don't know where that came from. Just come down from the heavens. Amen. Oh, I do know where it come from. Verse number five. Also, come down from the heavens, draw not hither, put off the shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Have you ever been to this holy ground? Have you ever been to this burning bush that 's what I want to I hadn't mind to preach it to you about holiness out of this very same passage, but I just want to ask you this morning, have you ever been to that burning bush, that great sight come to that it's a rare sight, you know that. I mean, when something begins to happen unusual in my own life, I usually begin to look around and see if I don't see a burning bush somewhere. Want God to speak to me, amen? If I wake up feeling a little under the weather, Lord, did I do something to deserve this? Amen. Are you keeping me on my back for a reason? Now, I have to point out that not all sin is because God's dealing with you about something. Sometimes just flu bug gets in. Some of these things happen alike to all men. But what I'm talking about here is Moses noticed a great sight, a rare sight, and he moved in to see what it was all about. And God said, hey, he called him by name. Moses said, here I am. I'm ready to hear. But he said, don't draw near too close here. Kick your shoes off. This is holy ground. Amen? Now, not many people ever get to see a burning bush in their life. If you live in a place now where you can get to the place where God can talk to you, you're really in a rare place in this day and time. I thank God we live in a country that got a lot of churches, a lot of people's preaching the gospel, but did you know that from time to time, even though most people and folks claim to be saved, from time to time you'll get around somebody, even where there's a church on every corner, they say, I never heard that before. If you've, ever, if you've been to the place where you've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and you've heard the blessed old hymns and you've heard somebody preach and spit on you over the first two or three rows, you're really in a blessed place. You really, you've, been, you've really been blessed. I mean, who wouldn't want to be Moses? I guess some people wouldn't. But I tell you what, I'd rather be Moses than Pharaoh. I wonder if, I wonder if Pharaoh's firstborn son saw any of that stuff coming. Why does one man get to be born a son of Joseph or a son of Abraham and another one gets born the son of Pharaoh and never hears and goes off into apostasy and death and and torment and judgment and, and plagues and all this other stuff? Amen. You ever think about that? You could very well be born in the darkest part of Africa or the darkest part of South America or the darkest part of Kentucky and never heard anything about the Lord Jesus Christ. Or just, you know, Jesus, man, why don't you get out of my face? You hear of him that way, but Jesus is not a cuss word. Jesus is your Savior. amen. Jesus is the biggest and the brightest burning bush you ever found in your life. Amen. When you've seen it, I hope you stopped and said, hey, I better check this out. This ain't your average everyday ordinary. You know, the men that were out there and they had crucified maybe hundreds they had crucified maybe thousands of men, rough, tough Roman soldiers, and that was their job. If you know anything about the military, they don't just let any old person do any old job. You're not, you're, you, know, you may be sweeping the deck one day, but the next day you're doing your, your, your own good job and you've got an assigned duty. Those men that were assigned to crucify Jesus Christ, that was evidently their job. Because military people, they have an organized, what we call today, a military occupational specialty. Those fellows were, were, for lack of a better word, they were the executioners. And those fellows seen a lot of people crucified. <clears throat> but when Jesus Christ showed up, one of them said, man, surely this is the son of God. My first question after reading that passage of scripture was, what do you know about it? (laughs) You ever thought about that? This is a Roman, pagan, idol-worshiping devil for all we know. And here he runs into this burning bush hanging on the cross and he goes, man, there's something about this guy. We done crucified a thousand men out here. This one right here is different. (laughs) Yes, sir. That's what you thought about him too. If you're born again this morning, the first time you ever seen him, you said, "Boy, this is, this bothers me." This Bible says he's a rock of offense. And that first introduction to Jesus Christ, that flesh went, Ugh, I don't need to be. I'm just as good as this guy over here. I'm at least as good as that crazy old preacher, ain't I?" Come to find out, I'm not the standard by which you ought to be in judged. That man hanging on the cross was. And he'd been judged for your sins. That does something to your conscience. He died for my sins. He, I often say this, and in my flesh I don't perform it or live up to it. But the, the thoughts of my mind says, I wish he didn't have to die for me. The necessity of my soul says, I'm glad he did. But can you really be glad that somebody else died for you? Hmm? If you committed a crime and they come to your house and knocked on your door, your name is Bob Senior, and you committed the crime and they come to your door and knocked on your door and said, we come for Bob Junior. And they charged him with the crime that you committed and went and gave him the death penalty for it. You think you could live with that? You think you could let him get off the front porch without saying, no, hey, I, you got the wrong man. I'm the one that did that. Could you do that? Could you in good conscience let somebody else pay for your crime? The death of Jesus Christ ought to be a conflict inside of your soul. It's part of repentance. Oh, my. Oh, my. What is this burning bush? Did you know you're a brand plucked from the burning? He burns for you. He, ble- he, bleeds. he said, I thirst. Why did he say that? because he's tasting death for every man. That's second death. That's the book of Revelation. That's, That's hell. He tasted it for every man. Remember when you turned aside to see that bush? And he said, kick off your shoes. This is holy ground. You, ooh got down on your knees and boy you done business with God that day I don't know how much, how often you've done business with him since that time but you done business with him that day didn't you remember when the tears rolled down where'd them tears go that's something to talk about that's something to wonder about but you do remember them you do remember and you don't have to tears are not required for salvation but I bet the great percentage of you shed a little tear when you got saved you say, why? Burning bush. Great sight. I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. Want to find out about that. Amen. Amen. Not many people get to see it, but some folks do. I'm glad I did. I'm glad you did. Amen. That's God over there in that bush. Burning bush. Listen, the burning bush is where God reveals himself. Listen, folks, I'm glad you're saved. We've already talked about that a little bit, but you know there's going to have to be a time in your life where God teaches you more about him. That's what we try to do at church, but did you know that church isn't enough? I'm talking about meeting together in a church house is not enough to sustain your relationship, your fellowship with God. I don't want to get relationship and fellowship confused. They, you can use it interchangeably, but you're God's son because you got saved. That's relationship. Now you need some fellowship. You ever walked in the, in the in the living room and seen your wife stand there and go, who are you? Well, what are you doing here? <laughs> no, you know who she is. Why? How do you know who she is? You talked to her a little while. Talked to her about a week and then y'all got married. <laughs> Amen. That has happened. Sometimes it works out pretty good. Sometimes it don't. Who is this monster that I've <laughs> that I shackled myself to. God help you if if marriage is a shackle, but but uh, it is coming up on Valentine's Day. Let me polish you up a little bit, amen. Hey, but you know who she is, don't you? You know who he is, don't you? That's because of fellowship. Amen. You ever heard a wife say, no, my husband wouldn't like that. Have you ever been have you ever been uh, Talking to a car salesman and said, "Well, I better check with my wife first." You know why he said that? Because he knows if he comes home with a new car, there's going to be some hell raised. Is that true or not? It's absolutely true. Hmm. You said, "How did he? How was he so wise that he knew not to buy that car without giving her a little call?" I was just over here looking at the possibility. Hey, I've had that conversation many a time. We've been through some cars since I've been married. Amen. Mm Mm-hmm. Dawn and I was just thinking about this gun. And uh, we really need it for home defense. (laughs) That's a good excuse, Tommy. That's a good excuse. Amen. They fall for that one for the first three or four times. How much defense do we need? Well, we all need guns. All five of us need to help out if someone were to break in. No, don't do that. One person getting a crossfire and kill one another. Amen. That ain't good. But why does the man go through stuff like that? Why does the woman do stuff like that? Why does my wife, when you fellas are talking about, you fellas, you gals are talking about dinner on the grounds. I know my wife has said more than once, don't put no onions in it, please. You know why she does that? Me and her fellowship with one another. We know what one another likes. We know what one another eats. We know what one another thinks about buying other guns and other cars and four-wheelers and Harley Davidsons and pickups and boats and a lot of other stuff, M&Ms. We know all that stuff because we fellowship with one another. Do you know God wants to fellowship with you that same way? You know why them hippies get up here with, the, with the, all their electric stuff and jam out and call it holiness? Well, they ain't spent much time talking to God. It's either that or blatant disobedience. It can only be one of those two things, Brother Nathan. It can't be anything else besides that. It, either they're sincere and they just don't know or they do know and they're just out and out, and out hippies and we're going to do what we want to do. And from the profession of their mouth, I think it's that they're hippies and they're going to do what they want to do. Amen? Amen. We're millennials. We're our own people. And you're also retarded. But that's beside the point. That's beside the point. Amen? Amen? You pay attention to these burning bushes because it's where God reveals himself to you. There's going to come a time in your life you might have been saved for just a few days. You might have been saved a few years. I don't know. I don't know that every one of us haven't walked past a million burning bushes and just didn't look around long enough to see it there. Yeah. Right. Now it's a silly little it's a silly little illustration, but you can you can apply it to bigger things in your life. Have you ever sat in traffic? Have you ever got mad about it? Yeah, sure. I have. Have you ever said any cuss words in traffic because? <laughs> have you? I haven't. You ought to quit that. (laughs) That's pretty good right there. But listen, (laughs) uh, uh, (laughs) you you think a preacher would lie? Now listen to me here. You ever thought God might have slowed you down there to keep you out of something down the road? That's a possibility he didn't. Now, I don't want to be mystical and all this stuff, but it's a possibility sometimes you run into a delay in life that God's going to keep you out of something down the road. I remember as a teenage boy running into some girls that I loved. And all I thought about love was, you know, hair color, waist size, Anybody know anything about biology? You know where I'm coming from there. You thought, man, this is the greatest looking woman. This is the greatest looking. Oh, it's got to be love. No, it ain't love. It's just your stupidity. Right, right. Mama, I want to go out with this girl. No. I'm 18 years old. You're not going. Oh, well, this is uh, this is upsetting my apple cart here. No, well, see. Down the road, 15, 20 years, you're going to meet the woman of your dream. It is getting close to Valentine's Day. The Lord allows things to happen. The Lord sets some burning bushes, and it changes your life. Amen? It's where God reveals himself to you. So you don't see things like that. You know, my mom would call girls up and cuss them out. You stay away from my son. I'm like, what's wrong with her? She's a bad girl. She sings in the choir at church. son you're going in the marine corps you don't have time for girls I like girls well you're not going to date none I'm the only 18 year old that can't go on dates (laughs) amen you think that was bad I was dating Ruth at 30 years old 29 years old we had to take a chaperone with us sit on the front porch or something Could those be a burning bush? We didn't have no children before we got married. Amen. Did you hear that right there? <laughs> that is called quiet. Boy, that is what quiet is all about right there. Uh, some retired people can move in here and get some uh, peaceful elderly life. <laughs> as, as, quiet as, it, as quiet as it got right there, be plenty of peace for them. Amen. Amen. Burning bush, where God reveals Himself to you. Get alone every day, and at some point in your day, get alone, read God's Word, and let Him speak to you and talk to you. I mean, don't make Him you know walk by the coffee table and your Bible burst into flames. So, boy, that Bible's on fire and it ain't it ain't even burning. Believe I'll look at it for a little while. See, don't don't make God have to get your attention that way. But there it is, laying on your coffee table, burning bush. Did God speak to Moses out of it? Did God give him instruction out of it? God's Word like a fire, amen. 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 And then the burning bush gives you great purpose. It reveals God to you, it shows you about your strengths and your weaknesses, but it also gives you great purpose and direction. You know, the greatest purposes that a man can find for his life not going to be found at the local junior college, not going to be found in high school. It's not going to be learned through mathematics. It's not going to be learned in the Peace Corps. The greatest purposes that you'll ever find for your life be found within the pages of this book. Amen. It's where God gives you great purpose. God said to Moses, I'm going to send you down to my people and you're going to bring them up out of bondage. It's a good purpose getting people out of bondage. It's a good purpose. I mean, if you could do something in your life that would set a captive free, that would release somebody from bondage, that would get somebody out of a perilous situation, that would take people out of a perilous situation and put them into a great situation like God has put you in, that would be a great purpose in your life. Matter of fact, that is the purpose for your life. It is the purpose for your life for the rest of your life. Yeah. Amen. The Bible says we're ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, be ye reconciled to God. That's what your life is about now. Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Yeah. Then that's the purpose for your life. And you ne- you're never going to get into that purpose. You're never going to fo- have that purpose fulfilled in your life till you slow down in this life. You still gotta work, you still gotta eat. I understand all that stuff. You still gotta go out on dates with your wife at least once a year. Especially on those corporate holidays. Hallmark needs their money too. You reckon you ought to love them more than one weekend a year? <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's good preaching. Also quiet. <laughs> But listen here, you're going to have to slow down. You're going to have to take some time out of that, the, the secular, the carnal life, the, your everyday, average, ordinary life. You have to perform those tasks. Don't get me wrong. But you're going to have to take some time out of that to live your spiritual life, to learn, to learn of him, to learn about him. To learn about others. You need to study the Bible to learn about God. You'll need to study your Bible to learn about one another. One of the greatest things in my life that I've ever learned as a Christian, not the greatest, but one of the greatest things I've ever learned in my life is that all of you folks are just like me. You're just like me. You've got different personalities and different hang-ups and and you might not like you know sauerkraut and I don't like onions, but we all have likes and dislikes and the, one of the greatest things I ever learned as a Christian is all you folks are just like me. And I can get up here and preach just like I read your mail this week because you folks are just like me. You're sinners like me. You're men like me. There has no temptation taking you but such as is common to man." You think about the same things I do. You're tempted by the same things I am. You are just as bad as me. You're just as good as me. And I can preach to you just fine because I learned a great thing. You're just like me. Amen. You say, where'd you learn about us? I learned about myself and I learned about you. Not from traveling the country trying to find myself. Here I am right here. And I'm described also right here. Here I am. Tommy, here you are. John, here you are. Chris, here you are. Nathan, here you are. You're right here. After I get familiar with this book, I'm familiar with you. I can preach to you all day long. You could preach to me if you would. You could teach me Sunday school if you would. Because you turn us, God puts some fiery bush in your way someday and you sit down, turn to side and sit down. Where do I need to start? I can guarantee I can take every one of you to your first Bible. I mean, you might have got a Bible when you was a kid and never gave it a second thought. But when you got saved and you got that Bible for the first time and took it down, I know exactly what you did. Then you probably called somebody and said, where should I read in here? They told you the book of John. That's probably where you went. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. That's probably what happened to probably 90% of you. No question at all. And you was looking around this thing, read it five minutes and got kind of bored and got a little bit red-faced and thought, man, if I'm saved, I should want to, I just don't, I I just can't get interested. And then you got it out the next day and remember going through that and then one day you was reading something and you thought about something or prayed about something or said I wonder about dot 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 and one day the Lord as you was reading through God answered that for you and you was like oh wait oh yeah 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 that's pretty good right there You've been hooked ever since. You say, "Why?" Because it became a burning bush to you right there, and you begin to see purpose, and you begin to see hope, and you begin to see strength, and you begin to see healing, rather than just a rule book. Has the Bible ever come become that to you? As soon as it does, it'll, it'll burst into flames. And it'll go, it'll go, John, John, say, here I am. Try to put it up on the shelf and not read it for three or four days. Oh, you can get backslid. I'm not saying you're impervious to being backslid or immune to it. But you put it up a couple of days and let it sit on the shelf and it'll go, Hey, hey, Mike. And you'll look over, over there on the shelf and it'll be burst into flames. <clears throat> Come read me. <laughs> I know it happened to you. You say, why? Because I've been there too. That's the way I live too. Amen. Lord, we do thank you this morning for the great burning bush, not only the one over there in